0: With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. And right as we finish up the little pre you guys know that we do, my guest goes, all right, let's go. I'm like, yes, let's do this. Let's go. Let's go. Sometimes I get excited to introduce somebody and sometimes I just want to jump right through it and get going. But uh, I will introduce our our speaker. We've got Dave Brown with us. He's got this new fantastic book. I'll hold back the title for just a second. So this conversation is going to be a conversation that helps guys. You might not think the title of Dave's book applies. So again, whenever I have a disclaimer like this at the beginning, it's always a great interview, always a great discussion. So hang with us. I believe you guys are going to absolutely love this one. So I've got Dave Brown with us. Incredible family guy, incredible... Uh, The way he looks at life and kind of pushes the envelope in each of the different areas of his life are amazing. I absolutely love that. His wife's name is Emmy, and she is like the coolest lady in the world. I got to see her speak on stage, not knowing they were married. And then (laughs) two and two put that together over time. Went, Oh, (laughs) wow. This is a power couple. Uh, they've got three kids together, and uh, he talks about them in the intros book and uh, just thanks them for all the inspiration. So Dave, and well, I guess I'll, I'll throw you the title of the book, guys. This one is called Servant Selling by Dave Brown. So the subtitle is The Handbook for Closing More Deals and Giving Your Customers Exactly What They Need. So welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast, Dave. Thanks, nice,
1: Dan. Excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we got to meet years ago at a little small workshop in an old insurance office I used to work at. and I gotta tell you, I'm like, man, I don't know about this. I'd rather be out on the street selling. <laughs> I don't know why I'll be in this workshop that they asked me to be in, but like this is a absolute waste of my time. I'm not gonna make any money in this workshop, and I'm certainly not gonna spend any money in this workshop and I end up spending a couple hundred bucks on a ticket to a seminar which was absolutely insane that you guys were able to pull that off. Yeah. It's
1: the first time i would ever been to St. Louis. I mean, I've been there, driven through, but lived there. And yeah, I, mean, I got to meet so many of you amazing people, learned how. what high school do you go to? One of the weirdest questions ever that people love talking about in your town. It's <laughs> so interesting.
0: <laughs> yep. There's proof you've been here.
1: <laughs> so cool.
0: So it was, it was really neat. Your background, uh, you grew up when I was in college, uh, kids did this too. They sold books, door to door, educational yep. books. Okay. And I was amazed that, and I understood the concept, but at first it blew me away. They'd be dropped in a town where they had no idea who anybody was. And then you live there all summer and yep. sell a bunch of books. And the kids okay. I knew that were successful, they actually made a decent amount of money more so than other kids did and came back. You know, kind of happy and a sense of accomplishment, had a little bit more confidence or a lot more confidence than they did in the fall than they had in the spring. And tons of guys from that group and women from that group have gone on to be major, major successes in life. And you're one of
1: them. Oh, thank you, man. It's uh, one of the coolest experiences ever. So, what Dan's referring to, it's called Southwestern Advantage. It's 170 years old, just for the record. That's how old the company is. It's the oldest direct sales company in the world. And college kids. It used to be Bibles, door-to-door, and the old typical Bible salesperson that's literally about our company when people were talking about that door-to-door guy or the jokes that are out there. And then it's kind of transformed over time. We still sell the Bibles, but also educational study guides, materials, online learning. It's one of the best places in the world to help families with education, just bringing them together. And I did it for seven summers and three winters. Now I wasn't in college for seven years, almost five years, but <laughs> Um, knocked on a ton of doors, you know, 50 something thousand doors and all over the place, New York, Pennsylvania, California, Arizona, all over the, I'm from Texas. I did sell one summer in Texas, but it was like six hours away from where I grew up. And one of the coolest experiences ever, where you get a chance to serve a lot of families, meet a lot of families. And uh yeah, you do, you said it, come back as a changed person. You made a lot of good money and you've helped a lot of people and you've really had to step up and run your own company in one of the toughest industries ever 100% commission based door to door residential sales. So that's where, I, that's where I figured it all out.
0: So, some of the people that came from that background, you included, came oh, yeah. together and founded Southwestern Consulting. We did. Yeah. Which is a, a good sized coaching group. We have clients around the world and people yes, working around the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. we got about 190 coaches now that are helping people achieve their specific goals in life through one on one coaching. And, um, I mean, God, we think we sold in about 33, 34 countries so far this year. We've actually sold clients in and work with and probably have another 13 or 14 countries that we have coaches that actually live in down in South America and Europe and the UK and Canada and everywhere else. And of course, most of them are here in the US. But it is about 3,000 active clients, Dan, that are in our one-on-one coaching. Just give you a scale of it. We've coached about 1,000 over time
0: see so you set records uh with the book selling business, and yeah you've got the largest uh, coaching group inside, oh
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, probably one of them, and it's it's we're getting to be a player all over the place. and just thanks for thanks for letting me talk about it and those of you that are listening, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's it's really getting good. People are starting to figure out who we are and know who we are in all different cities and the ones that use us, they grow. You know, anybody that works with us for a year, they get about a 25% growth on the, on the sales side. Of course, that's not all we're working with them on. We're working with them on better relationships with their spouse, with their kids, with their um, friends that they've, you know, whatever, their own in their own schedule. Like we are helping people in every area, man, their self-talk, of course, sales, being great at sales and sales leadership as a result of having all that stuff figured out <laughs> in your life, as we all know. So,
0: yeah. So I wanted to jump in more on the expertise side and talk yeah. about that a little bit, just so that guys tuning in have an idea of where your background is and what you're good at and things that you've accomplished. Uh, we had a guest on one time, a guy named Dan Laurie. Dan's a financial advisor, and he, you're an accomplished volleyball player as well. I did. So, Dan was an accomplished volleyball Personally, player.
1: old guy, volleyball. It's
0: yeah, college. yeah. But you won a national championship in college as well.
1: I did, man. Yeah. A long time ago now. Oof.
0: So Dan was on. He won a national championship. He's in the uh, his college's Hall of Fame. And my daughter was trying to get to be good at volleyball. And she was trying to figure out the overhand serve when she was a little kid. <laughs> and so I, I try. I'm like, you know, she's really working hard at this, two hours a night. And I'm out with her, and I should probably figure out how to do an overhand serve so I can help her. Like, yeah. what she's doing's not working. So let me, let me see what I can do. And so I, that's coaching right the, there. What's it. that?
1: That's coaching right there.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. So I study the techniques and I get a real good handle on. I feel confident, and I'm like, here, would you like some help? She goes, I would. And then I start to explain it to her. She goes, no, Dad, that's never going to work. Great. So That's then I cool. grab a YouTube video and I show her. I'm like, "Hey, here's this lady, and she's got like 50,000 people that follow her." And, nah, Dad, what, what what does she know? And then I bring Dan on, and she's like, "What do you know? You ever played before?" I I have. <laughs> you ever whatever? He's like, "I have." I'm like, "He's in the Hall of Fame." I'm <laughs> like, huh? i like, and he runs a coaching group, and he's got teams underneath him and coaches underneath him, and oh. she's like, hmm all right, I guess I'll, I guess I'll listen to what you have to say, but had to build the credibility that this guy's been there, done that, had some success and he coaches and teaches others. Like he probably can teach a nine year old, eight year old, how to do an overhand serve. Like (laughs) he's probably qualified for that. So with, with that said, uh, sometimes people that are in the book role, you know, authors or expertise coaches, there can be a, a look of ah what does this guy know about sports what does this guy know about the stuff i care about and your your background is pretty diverse where you've been in a lot of different environments lived in a lot of different cities yep. <laughs> you're you know the local flavor in st louis about what
1: <laughs> what high school I, you been went to i've been to emo's do. man i know emo come on
0: <laughs> so good so good so okay. let's jump in a little bit uh, tell us about your your current family Tell us about Emmy and and the kids. Yeah,
1: so Emmy was a she did that crazy summer job as well, Southwestern Advantage, and that's where we met twenty something years ago. And um, she had no interest. You'll get to that chapter. It's funny you're getting to the handling objections chapter. Dan, that's next. Yes. And, uh, and you're going to hear about the biggest sale that I ever made in my life, and how how she was not she was not into Dave Brown for a long time. Um, so that, that's a fun one, but she's amazing. She, I brought her in. She, so she started a year before me in that door-to-door company. And then I brought her into consulting, uh, you know, seven, eight years after we had started and she's been helping run the dang thing ever since. And it's, she's awesome. So she, that's where you where, Dan, you were talking about how you saw her speak. You know, I've, Brought her here and we've really been just kind of doing it. We're very different. She is, uh, she's more of a counselor personality. I would be more of like a fighter, entertainer type, right? Just to give you an idea of what kind of a person, but yet we're both insanely effective and three kids. Um, that's the, that's our biggest achievement. Dawson, nine, um, Cadence, who's five. And then Dylan, who's two, one of those COVID surprises. that, You know, you're not supposed to have kids when you're in your forties. Damn, let's be real clear. It's it's so hard. But come on, it was the pandemic. Look at this. She couldn't keep her hands off me. All right, right. right. Well, what are you going to do with two years trapped? Come on, look. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> she doesn't like that joke, but I do. think like, it's funny.
0: So, so, t- so tell us about uh, tell us about the overcoming objections. You, you mentioned oh, it, so God. let's just jump into it.
1: She told me a hundred times uh, that, I mean, probably that I'll never date you. I'll never date you. I don't, I'm not not into that. You know, I want to work together, but I don't want to date. And it was just, I mean, she said it over and over and over again. I mean, we have a lot of past together, right? We were both big fish in a smaller pond, that Southwestern company. I was saying that door-to-door company that's been around forever. So you know, I might've dated friends of hers and she dated people that I was associated with. And so she just, uh, we heard a lot about each other over time and we always worked really well together because we were so different, but she just was not into, you know, something that was locked up in a relationship at all. Yet we were spending so much time together. I was training her how to do this business and how to grow it. and, And she, turned around and sold more tickets than I did one of those conferences. And then I'm learning from her. And it was like this cool, just symbiotic relationship for so long. We ran teams together. Um, So it just kind of happened. And it was when I gave up, I mean, when you'll, you'll see it when you're reading, I literally put this as the beginning story in the handling objections chapter. I just wanted her to be happy. I mean, I wanted, I wanted, I I had a feeling then this was the one I was going to marry. Um, if i could get her right if she would right. ever date me, If she never like be with me. I was like but she didn't and i just kind of gave it up saying well i just want you to be happy and that's most important and um just let me know. Let me know. I gave her uh because we needed to have it be very clear with our team right to honor them and to make sure that there wasn't anything that they ever had to ask questions or if there was like uh um you know favor towards her or something it was like am we we are going to be dating or I'll never pursue you again. And so I actually gave her about a, a couple of weeks to, I, don't know, I think it was actually about a week to make a decision. And this was after I kind of gave it up. And we had, you know, I had said, you'd you let me know. We're either going to be dating or we're not. It's got to be so clear for our, for our team. And um, thank God she said she'll, she'll try it out and see how it goes. And, and then we've been together ever since.
0: That's great. So I love how you talked about uh, presenting it to your team and uh, honoring them. Uh, yeah. integrity, honesty up front. God, yeah. And that goes into servant selling. Uh, so could you talk a little bit about what that means in your book? You, yeah. you, def- you defined it in there. So let's hear it from you.
1: I mean, in some of you that are listening, you're thinking, oh, he's a sales guy. Whether we like it or not, there's this negative connotation that happens in people's heads. I mean, there's 16, 17 million of us in this great country that, but We rank slightly above politicians on one of the most despised group of people. Like, oh god, they're annoying. They're sleazy. They're—I mean, come on, right? I, I don't have to give you your word. Those of you that are listening, you all—you all, you all know what you think of salespeople. <laughs> it's usually not the most positive thing. And then I'll—I'll I'll, I'll do this. I'll flash like—I'll flash like selling in front of people, like at the book right in front of it. And I'll say, "What are some words that come to your mind?" And just negative ones. Then I'll go, "Okay, what are some words that come to your mind when I put servant up or when I say servant?" Right? I'm about doing a PowerPoint, something, a presentation. All sorts of great stuff right? Um, serving the world, helping, uh, you know, caring, all that good stuff. What if we could put them together? What if you could sell the right way? What if putting the needs, the desires, the wants, the, uh, the goals of the people that you were talking to every day before your own? It wasn't about quotas or trips that you needed to win or, you know, the mortgage you needed to pay. All of that stuff happens when you're truly putting them first. And are you willing to walk away from a sale? I struggled with that, Dan. I did. I mean, I I mean, early on in my career, it was like I tell the story in the beginning of the book that I didn't know. Like, would you, if if it wasn't the right thing for that person, would you be willing to walk away from the sale? And sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I p- pushed on and there it was, but that always stuck with me. That always haunted me. I was like, okay. Um, I remember sitting just thinking, going, what am what kind of what am I gonna be? Because sales can be defined as, you know not defined. Let me say it differently, but individuals can go, well that's just sales. Sure. Sometimes you need to bend the truth a little bit or sometimes you need to not cover the question fully or just oh, I don't want to talk about that because I lost a sale before because of that, especially when someone's specifically asking you. And I would I would justify it going, oh I guess that's just sales and um, I got my God got my heart, man. God got a hold of me and was like, no, like this is, this is how you should sell. And this is, we need to change the way people see salespeople. And I remember very clearly, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it this way, but can I still be a top producer? Can I still win all the awards? Can I be the best? And it was very clear. Yeah, you can do both, do both. And he's uh, helped me ever since with it. And I've done some amazing things by doing both. And that's where the, that's where the book came from. So. Yeah. And it's not just for salespeople either, man. Uh, This helps you with communication with your kids, y'all. It helps you with your spousal stuff. I mean, it's any relationship that matters to you. I promise you, you're doing some kind of selling every day. I mean, every day you were just talking about selling your daughter on somebody that can help her. I mean, come on! Like this, she's literally this. We've got. I, I'm going to go learn myself. I've got a coacher that can do it. And you still had to sell her on the concept. This stuff goes on all the time. The sale is happening every, you know, every second in our great country and all over the world. So, are you prepared to do it the right way? And you know, ask proper questions. I think Jesus was the best salesperson that ever lived. If you ask me, he was a phenomenal sales guy. And I, I did a lot of research into the Bible. And you can, I do a lot of cross referencing as well. So. Yeah, man, that's what servant selling is about putting their needs, desires, their wants before your own. And you can do that and still be great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there were certain paragraphs in there that I was reading. And I was like, no, 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 that's not the way that it works. <laughs> and you're going off like public perception or uh, people that are in it for themselves, yep. as opposed to uh, people doing it with integrity. Uh, there's even one, I think I understand where you're going with it, but I, I underlined it, put a question mark next to it. Like, that's not true. And it was, if you ask really good questions to understand what your client needs, like that's more difficult on the selling side. And I was like, no, that's all I do.
1: Well done. That's good for you. And think about it. Whenever these young people are coming in, and you you got figured out, when young people are coming into most sales organizations, it's about their product, right? It's about right. presenting what they have. They don't Sure, they may have a question or two that's written into their sales talk, but they don't understand the why behind the question the bigger picture of it. Right, is to get them to be able to understand. They just can't wait to be enthusiastic and sell, and that that'll work a lot of times where you just you know demonstrating your product, being dang excited about it, but backing up and understanding what it is that they want, why are they meeting with you, why are they taking the time, what's the what you know, how could you help them with your product or service? So yeah. I mean, I would say, good job. That's all I would say to you. But from what I've seen, especially because remember, we're coaching tens of thousands of people that we have through time. People just don't get this. And then you get outside our country, Dan, in people that don't even really as much value relationship as as we do over here, the country that's founded on some different principles and stuff, man, they don't ask any questions. They dive right in and just go. And like I was just on the phone with um, our European group and we were funny enough, designing a training for one of our regional meetings out on October 13th in the UK and just foreign. It was like, we were talking about some of the relationships. I was like, yeah, we really should talk about how this is a relationship. It's not just a sale. And it was like, yeah, well, we know that, but man, not everyone. That's for sure.
0: There's a old English route. Um, and I got this from John David Mann, the go-giver. And John says, uh, it's a way um, to sell is to help somebody get something, to find a way to help them get what they want. Yeah. I'm like oh, That's great. As opposed to other definitions or other uh, things that are out there. I'm like, that's the one that I really embrace and I really like. Me too. It's so it's funny that you're setting that up for Europe or for yeah. England specifically.
1: Well, that's what Servant selling and I wanted to do. I, I would love to get a hold of some of these countries that... Um, haven't had all this, this bad experience of salespeople. And, and and so much of it is good, right? But what's on TV? What, what's the stuff that's marketed to us as people taking advantage of people, right? And that's everywhere. And that's unfortunate because most of the time people are seeking to understand and loving on people. And if I can get servant selling into some of these other places uh, before they've had a lot of bad habits or people that, you know, aren't, don't have the best intentions, get a hold of them. Oh, what can we do then? that'd be great.
0: So you talked to Art just a couple minutes ago about enthusiasm. Yeah. New salespeople have enthusiasm and they know a little bit about their product.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes that sells, right? Enthusiasm does. I mean, it's a big reason why I do so well, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the reasons why you're on the podcast today, well, I'll give you two reasons why you're on the podcast today. One is enthusiasm. I love people that have energy and enthusiasm. And from the day that I met you, you had energy and enthusiasm. I'm like... He's got a new book coming out. I want to interview him. Yeah, let's do it. Like, what's the book about? <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't matter what the book's about because I believe in him and whatever whatever product he's going to bring to the world to help make the world a better place. And then the other one was you, well, I'll, I'll, I'll hold the second one. Can you talk just a little bit about uh, enthusiasm so people can... Um, go through life, just going through life and surviving and falling into routine. Uh, so maybe in a sales scenario, somebody that's been selling a product for quite a while might lose the enthusiasm. Somebody that's been married for quite a while might lose the enthusiasm for the marriage. So wherever you want to take that with enthusiasm, I'd love to just hear hear your thoughts. It's just so attractive. I mean, that you just
1: said it, right? It's what brings people to other people. I, I've always said this, that energy... Is actually a choice. So many people think that enthusiasm and energy is like this, this programmed into DNA type of thing. And I got so many people that are always like, man, you're, you're, I love your enthusiasm. It's so great, but it's not something I was born with. Like even going back and talking to mom about it. I mean, even growing up, I I wouldn't, I wasn't there, but I loved how attracted people were to it. I loved that it made everything more fun when i did it so it became something that i worked on every day and i started doing it in my first sales career that door to door thing that i was telling you about and it you know it got me out of the heat and into houses to present my product it um got uh people would go would keep, be talking about me and they want to share me with their friends right whenever i'm excited about what i'm doing whenever i care that much and you can. Like I remember days that I said my my number one goal for my enthusiasm level is that my face hurts from smiling so much. I want to smile so big and so much that my face is actually going to hurt by the end of the day. And I accomplished that many times. And that's still one of my big goals too. That's why I have a mirror right behind here so that I can see myself. What, how are you showing up? to the rest of the world. So I think it's one of the biggest things and go throughout history. Think about the, the most successful people, the most healthy people that you know in every walk of life. I would contend they have a good level of enthusiasm about them. I would. And it doesn't have to be Dave Brown enthusiasm or you know, it doesn't have to be any of our levels of enthusiasm, just just theirs. And they they and if you can just take it up one notch or one percent, man, watch what'll happen. You'll have so much fun, right? Me and my wife, all the time. I mean, I've been married for a long time now, not as long as maybe some of you that have been listening, but we've been together for 15 years. And how do you spice things up, man? Have some fun. Bring some joy into mediocre tasks, like washing the dishes. Or we did some crockpot stuff yesterday that was um, just fun. We did, you know, we just did some fun things in the kitchen and it, it made it fun for us, for the kids. And here we are now, something we can always talk about and something the kids have is like a memory. So yeah, it's, it needs to be in everything.
0: All right. So you just brought something up. I wasn't planning on talking about it, but you said smile so much that your face hurts. So guys, think about this for a second. Maybe even if you're in a spot where you can pause this podcast and think about this for just a second, go back to your wedding day. I've heard so many people tell me that they smiled so much their face hurt on their wedding day. Think about your wife, how she looked. Think about the feelings that you had. Think about the friends you had in your life at that time, the family you had in your life at that time. Think about the enthusiasm that you had and the smile that you had that day. And hopefully you feel that energy inside of you, that warmth inside of you, that joy inside of you. How can you put that into your life today? How can you reflect that back to your wife today? Uh, Because that is such such a great memory to tie back into all the time. And I love that you talked about smiling so much your face hurts. Has that happened since your wedding day? Have you had a day where you smiled so much that your face hurt? I think that's a great goal for that to happen once a year, once a quarter, once a whatever, once a decade. I don't know. But if you can have a day where you smiled so much your face hurt, that'd be a freaking great day.
1: Great day. Come on. And and, the, and it, it brings people to us, right? And we have God inside of us. We should be smiling that big. Like Jesus, I mean, he's it's amazing. Like he, think of how, what he's doing when he looks down on us whenever we're serving the world and helping. I bet you he's smiling so big that his face hurts. Like it's, and it makes, it revitalizes you. It makes you love yourself again when you're doing that. It's just been a big thing for me that I'm always wanting to be, I wouldn't be contagious. Enthusiasm, again, is not, it's not something you're born with or just something that's just there. No, energy's not. You have to choose it, right? You have to choose it. And that's it. It's, it's, and it's such a good choice. So healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a silly little game you can play just in life and it'll increase your energy, increase your enthusiasm. We call it I smile. Yeah. E-Y-E, smile. Look somebody in the eyes and smile at them. See what happens. They'll mm-hmm. smile. They'll reflect it back to you. Your smile will get bigger. And then their next hour will be a lot better. The rest of their day will be a lot better. And you get that gift thrown right back to you. It's free. It's a way to to build that energy and enthusiasm and just have a better day. And it's a way to create a better world around you. Hey, the world around me is always frowning. Hey, look at the mirror. (laughs) Dave mentioned he's got a mirror. So he's very observant about that himself. So it's so funny how uh, the lens you look at the world with, if you look at your own self and see what that reflects back, but you can do something about it. In your book, you talk about thermostat and thermometer.
1: Yeah. Which one are you? It's like, are you just, do you bend to the to the room, right? Do you, what, whatever people you're around or whatever situation you're in, do you, are you just uh you know, a thermometer that just absorbs that energy, that negative stuff that takes on whatever other people are saying that may or may not be necessarily your opinion? Or are you the one that People follow that they've been to your way of thinking, right? Are you a thermostat that you set the energy, you set the tone in the room? And remember, you know, going all the way back, Dan, to that workshop that you didn't necessarily want to go to that your manager had set up that I was going to be a part of because you could be out serving people and helping and, you know, selling. And like you said, I'm definitely not going to spend any money. Um, That's, I walked in that room and I was the thermostat. Like I'm absolutely, you were. I would have walked in as a thermometer, then that probably nobody would have happened. We wouldn't even be doing this right now. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't know each other and have all the connection in the world. And it, it's so vital, like in positivity, enthusiasm, joy, like that's, that's the thermostat that we should be not only for, you know, for us, but the people that we get to be around and serve and help. I mean, it's like, why not? I mean, I, I, I don't what, what was Jesus, right? Was he a thermostat or was it a, ther- a thermometer? And I bet you he would, Empathize, right? There's a piece of being a thermostat to be able to connect with everybody, but not being turned over, like as a not being turned over to their way of thinking, and then setting the tone for the room and and helping. So it's it's your path to influence, I mean, it really is being a thermostat, not a thermometer.
0: Yeah. So when I when you mentioned Jesus and and that type, I think of biblical words: stand stand firm, hold fast. It's like you know you're the one that's not movable. You're the one yes. that can bring others and, and be strong, courageous, those type things. So absolutely. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, so we're talking enthusiasm, being a thermostat, not a thermometer. So for salespeople, we can tend to be a thermometer a little bit yeah. And, and use our body language and tone of voice and match our customer and all these type things, which is good. And you mentioned just like Jesus, he'd connect and empathize and and meet them where they're at, but then you can flip the switch and you can change the direction. You can lift the energy up. The eye smile game is just the simplest, easiest way to change things. And for dads, for fathers, for husbands, when you come home, what are you then? Are you the thermometer? Are you the one taking the temperature of the home to see what's happening? If things are great, you're ready to jump in. If things are stressful and you know whatever. Are you ready to just slink into a corner and stay off to the side and get out of the way? Or do you want to be the thermostat and change the whole dynamic of the home? And that's, we talk about being a leader on this podcast. So if we step into that thermostat role and be a leader, we can change the dynamic of the home and we're not for, or we really shouldn't be allowed to slink into the corner and go run away and hide the kids and the kids and my wife or whatever. And the yeah. dog is crazy. Like, <laughs> change that.
1: Yeah, I, I I need to do so much better at that too, Dan. I um, at home is where all this stuff applies to me. Being a servant salesperson, the servant leader. Like, I just so don't so for everyone listening. Don't let a loser try to tell you how to be a winner with this. I am getting better every single day, and I catch myself whenever I am just trying to. Oh gosh, it's such a hard day at work. Let me just go turn a game on and just check out. And not play with my kids, and it's like, and that's so bad, and, and I realize it. And then it's like, I oh, I don't want to. I, I know I don't want to. Life is not about doing the things that you want to do all the time. <laughs> most of the time, it's about doing things you don't want to do when you don't feel like doing it, um, which is what woodfly stands for. When you don't feel like it, um, so it's it, it, that is where I'm playing the game the most, and it's. I remind myself a lot what enthusiasm, right? That was the game we were playing yesterday on Liberty whenever we were having some fun and the kids got into it, just dishes and, okay, what are we going to do? Clean up your room. Okay, do this. Let's run over here. Let's do this. Dylan, our two-year-old, was running around with like a dart gun that didn't have any darts in it, but he was shooting us. We were like, oh, and he was having so much fun and we just made a game out of all of it. So it's like, I need more of those reminders. I need to do that more. So thanks for bringing that up. And yeah, man, this is the best place to practice this. So you get good at it in every area of your life is at home. It's between that front door and that back door that you live in.
0: Have you got maybe another example, something you can think of that uh, mine, I work with the phone. And so at home, that can be a major crux for me for sure is bouncing over the phone, bouncing over the phone. And sometimes I'm doing a little work thing. Sometimes I'm not. And uh, sometimes fantasy baseball grabs my attention.
1: Of course it does. It's, it's it's a whole lot more satisfying than playing in the room with, you know, dolls or whatever, cars. I mean, it's like, um, or helping them with homework. I mean, but we got to do all that. Um, Emmy and I, we're just so, I don't know, as personal development people, as coaches, it's like, Let's just leave our phones alone. There have been so many studies. Emmy is the studying, right? I'm the one. Let's go live it. She's like, let me go research, and it's great because we compliment each other so well. And there's just studies of that how many times parents look at phone and how much how much attention you give to your phone that affects your family. It really does. We have a rule that we set it down. I've got a little corner charging area that we set it down until after dinner. Like right when we get in, set the dang thing down and then don't go back to it. If you walk by and you see something, you can look at it. We check each other as well, but we don't touch it
0: <laughs> whenever
1: <laughs> that goes on. Um, and then we do dinner and and then sure, you know, if we really need to get to something, we're both understanding, We but, but we talk about it beforehand. So that's a big thing that I need to be doing more, man. It's just leaving that thing alone, especially yeah, when the fall got... season starting right around the corner. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right now. And I'm a Cowboys fan. So. Uh, I know. Don't hate me. I just. I know we just lost like 25 percent of our listeners. <laughs> but I grew up in Texas, y'all. Come on. I'm not one of those fair weather guys. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. One not thing
1: in a while. But I'm still with them.
0: <laughs> so another reason why we connected. The second reason was uh, you've got the ability to remember everybody's name, <laughs> and we played a dirty trick on you. Uh, we, we met in a little small office, and then we went to a uh, a big venue. Uh, the the arena you guys filled was actually where the St. Louis Blues play hockey at, and mm-hmm. you guys filled the thing with with people. So it was the most amazing thing to go from a little eight person meeting, buy a ticket to go see a seminar, and then a whole arena is full of people. It was unbelievable. And then I run into you at the arena, walking through, and I'm with somebody that you've never met in your life. And I told us, man, this guy remembers everybody's name. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. He'll remember my name and you pretend like you know him too. You say, Hey Dave, it's so great to see you. And then see what he says. <laughs> God yeah, play
1: the trick on me, man. I love it. I, I I I see it as honoring people. I really do. And that and it's really hard, but it's it's not hard when you just work that muscle out, man. Every time I walk into a room, I've tried to remember people's names. I looked at your pictures afterwards too, Dan, because I knew I'd see you at the conference, right? Yeah, so I did yeah. as good a job as I could with going back and whether LinkedIn pictures or Googling people or whatever. I did every, I do everything that I can to try to do that. And it works really, really well. I'm the guy at the parties that all the people that know me are going, and saying, hey, what's her name? Kid? Hey, what's his name? Like, I'm just that guy to so my friend group. And so another way of being valuable to your friends, but also... It's like this, This um, it's some some confidence and some joy and some connection. I'm all about connection with people. And what a cool way to do it, man. Just remembering their name. It's that simple. It's <laughs> big a deal.
0: Yeah. When you hear your name in a crowd, mm-hmm. your head snaps.
1: Uh, yeah. And if it's specific, especially if it's somebody that that uh, shouldn't have remembered your name, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, when that comes out of the blue and you're like, how does that person even have any idea who I am? We've run into each other. So what you did in that situation, you saw my friend and me, and you're like, hey, Dan, so good to see you too. And you thought for a little bit, and you said, have we met? If so, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, but, <laughs> but I don't think we've met before. <laughs> the guy goes, no, no, we,
1: we've we never yeah. met. <laughs> I got it, and I didn't forget. We so tried. it was great.
0: So rather than try to cover it up or anything, you just were open about, hey, it. this is oh. the situation I'm in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> reach for connection with people. Yeah. Reach for connection. That's what servant selling is about.
0: Yeah. So that was something that's uh, exceptional, remarkable. And when you do something at an exceptional level or remarkable or that 10 out of 10, to, people remember you.
1: Mm, awesome. I'm glad. So if you're
0: a six out of 10 or seven out of 10, work to get better. And that's in your book too, about mastering your craft, working for perfection. Uh, R.A. Dickey, the Cy Young award winner was just on a little while back and he was talking about Even though he was one of the greatest knuckleball pitchers of all time, he's like, I never mastered pitching the knuckleball. And in life, I've never pictured mastering anything because there's always something you can do better. So I'm continually learning. So that was a really interesting discussion with him for sure.
1: You guys, you St. Louis guys always come back to baseball somehow, man. It's amazing how you always find a way back to it. It's beautiful. (laughs)
0: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Can't (laughs) can't wait to meet Daryl Strawberry tomorrow and uh, and hear hear his crazy story about cocaine and how he came back to came back to Jesus. So you can
1: do it. You can do all that stuff. It's kind of cool.
0: So the listeners are probably thinking to themselves, how in the heck does he remember everybody's name? You want to share a couple little memory tricks? Uh, sure,
1: man. I mean, it, like how many Dans do I know? I know a bunch of them. And one that comes to my face that I'm never going to forget his name, Dan Pender, right? I mean, I would put, I would associate you, Dan, as much as, as close as I can to Dan Pender's. So then whenever I see that little inkling, our mind thinks in picture. So picture of Pender's mind would, would come to me and I would go, oh, Dan, so it's like that's one of them, right? Recognition. You're calling on some of the good parts of your head to do that. Um, I repeat names a lot, especially unique names. Whenever I meet like a Noanda, that was one of the last at my last meeting that I had Noanda, and it was like Noanda, 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 N A W A N D A. It's like I was over and over again doing that one. So repetition, just something simple like that. Um, and then I like to use their name right as much as I can. Whenever I'm talking to him, not in a weird way where you're saying, Dan, every other Dan, and, you know, Dan, oh, nice to meet you, Dan. How are things, Dan? You know, you probably heard people do that, and that's just, but use it as much as you can, right? So just a couple of things that I do. And, and you know, half of the battle is just intention, brother. That's it. Half of the battle is going and then how you say to yourself you are with names, it blows me away. How many people in a networking event will go, oh, man, I'm, I'm bad with names or I'm, I'm bad with names. You'll meet them and they say like, yeah, I could never do that. Well, listen to your words. You have just defeated any bit of learning or anything in that area. And you're condemning yourself in the future to be bad at names. So just correct yourself, talk, going with some intention of saying, if you just change one thing about going, I'm good with names, I'm really good at remembering people's names. If you just change that one thing without some of these little tricks and strategies, you're actually going to be a lot better with people's names because you're just saying you are, and then you have an intention to get it. So yeah, that's what I would say. It works.
0: Yeah, I love love the self-talk and the awareness of the thoughts you're putting in your head. And you apply that to to some other area of life.
1: Man, everything it's everything, man. Come on. Like our brain is just a big computer and the longer I live, the more that I know that and the computer is just going to do whatever you're programming it with. It's not going to at step outside of that. So, I mean, that's why I start with my affirmations. So mirror right there, affirmations on my wall right here, talking to myself over and over and over again. I mean, I can, I can literally, let me pull it off. I can read you a couple of them, right? I do and talk about hard things, be an example to others to do and speak about hard things in their lives. I love talking to Jesus. My God, I pray daily and fast regularly to glow, grow closer to him and his purpose for me and my life. Man, I got, look at right, look at. Literally just pull them off the wall for a second. Got them right here, man. This is all my programming. That's right here that I'm looking at. For those
0: listening, this is a whole entire typewritten page of affirmations. And then there's notes on top of the.
1: Yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Talking about what's most important and I highlight stuff. And yeah. So the energy, we were talking about that earlier. One of my affirmations around energy is I am an energy resource. People are fueled by my energy. Generational energy fuels me daily. Energy is my choice. So wh- where does my energy come from? It's just programming, right? Again, it's nothing that you just, you just sit here and look at it. And I got every single area of my life. I've got something around there working on gratefulness, right? When I'm grateful, I'm humble. I'm grateful for what I have. So much on that.
0: Affirmations are everything, man. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, you do that daily.
1: Yeah, I do. I read them this morning when I was brushing my teeth, a little hair, I pull, open up my medicine cabinet. They're sitting right there. I was reading through that exact page this morning. I can do it every
0: morning. So I know why you do that every day. Expand on that. Um,
1: I want to be my best self. If I'm supposed to be this author speaker type that's helping others achieve their goals in life and and growing, I need to be growing myself. And in order to do that, you got to do the things that aren't necessarily natural or that you don't want to do. And you know, anything, working out, finding joy, all the stuff that we've been talking about about enthusiasm in the home, like. I need those reminders. if I don't have those reminders left to my own devices, I am insanely self-destructive. I am and I will not I will be a um negative and uh, and take from people right whenever I'm not doing this kind of stuff. So I've realized that that's why like I want to be my best self in this world every single day and it takes just reminding myself of the person that I want to be and it's all just written, just words. Words, I mean, I. We're, we were created in his image, right? And how did he create us? He spoke it into being. He spoke everything into it. So that's where creation lies, is in speaking stuff into life, right? I, one of my favorite ones on here is how I'm a prophet, right? Belief in words is the beginning of a prophecy. I am a prophet. My words are prophetic and my belief is contagious. You just speak it, speak it, and then go do it. Starts there, starts with words.
0: So priest, prophet, and king, many people have a challenge with the prophet one. Hmm, Interesting. What are your thoughts around that?
1: I don't know. I just put it on the paper and I just, prophecy is saying it and then going and doing it, right? There's so much power in belief and so many people are afraid to say stuff because they they don't think they're going to do it or it's impossible or whatever else, right? Again, look at anybody who's ever done anything amazing. They probably said it first and then they went out and did it. I mean, that's just the only way we go. They didn't stumble on this thing that it hadn't thought about or whatever else. So that's all the prophets are. They just say what's going to happen, and then it happens. And a lot of times, if you can affect it happening, go go affect it in a good way.
0: Yeah, so, so yeah. guys in the Bible, prophets, oftentimes what they did was just remind people of what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. So it wasn't prophetic as if talking into the future. They were just saying, hey, we're screwing up here. We should have been doing this. Uh, over the weekend, we were reading about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he was prophetic and he's saying, hey, we're going to get conquered. Nothing we can do about it either. Pretty uh, difficult message to deliver over and over and over. And he got thrown in prison and a bunch of stuff. And he uh, he gets mad at God, angry with him. He's like, Man, this is killing me. This is the worst thing ever. You know, I'm 15, 16 years old and you're giving me this message and you pick me and this is horrible. And every time I give up, I feel like a fire in my bones and I've got to let it out and I've got to get this message out to the people and say bad stuff's about to happen because we're doing bad stuff yeah. and you know they they think that ultimately he got uh got killed in prison don't know that for sure but the prophet prophet peace priest prophet and king dive into the bible a little bit and mm-hmm. be the king in your family teach a little bit share a little bit the more you read the affirmations in the morning. The more you write those out, the more you read the Bible, the more it becomes who you are. So if you hear Dave Brown sounding like he's got energy and enthusiasm, it's because he does. He said as a kid, that wasn't always the case and he's grown into it. It's a choice. So that's something that we can do with repetition. We can get stronger, just like you mentioned the gym and training. We can do the same thing for our mind as well as the things that we focus on, they'll expand and they'll take up more and more of the space in our head. We'll become better and better at them, and you'll have more confidence around your family. So, in your book, you talk about the uh, two Q, two E, and eight X, eight R, eight R, eight R. Yeah, I got eight eight times results.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, exactly eight R. So two times E, the quantity, right? Two times. So just repetition is basically what that's saying. Which leads to when you're doing two times the quantity as everyone else or whatever the standard is in your life, that leads to two times the experience. And whenever you're getting, you know, you're, you're doing more of whatever it is, that the person that you want to become, call it sales calls or, you know, complimenting your spouse or uh, whatever, playing with your kids, two times doing it more than as much as you can. Quantity leads to two times the experience. And funny enough, that equals eight times the result. That I've seen in everything. I mean, sales, that's what it is. It's like, well, you would actually think, oh, then maybe three or four times the results. No, it actually crazy quantifies itself by doing two times as much because you get, and then you get two times the experience, which leads to eight times the results. Just seen it over and over again. No, that's one specifically for sales, but I see it in in the home too, right? The person that you want to be with all that programming I was just telling you about.
0: Yeah. So that's that repetition. So Mm -hmm. when you see an opportunity, work on it. The more you work on it, the better the results will become. R.A. Dickey talks about a checklist of all the things that you can control. And he says, the better you get at controlling all the things you can control, all those uncontrollable things tend to start happening in a beneficial way, almost like you're controlling them, even though you can't. So when I read that in your book, I was thinking about uh, two draft horses. So if you've got one draft horse, that can pull about 8,000 pounds. Add a second draft horse. Well, that one can pull 8,000 pounds. And if you yoke them together, Obviously they can draft 16,000 pounds. We all can do math and it's not the case actually exponentially. They can draft 32,000 pounds. So two working together as a team can do way more than each individually can.
1: Mm -hmm. It's great. Great message for all of us, man. I love that. See it in everything. So true.
0: So at work and then at home, Home. where else do you have a, a teammate or a helpmate? Yep. Home. So if you can partner up with your wife on things, you talk about vision in your book a lot.
1: A lot. <laughs> it starts there.
0: Yes. Expand, uh, throw us a thought on vision, whether it's for for your family or for the business or or kids or wherever.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you learn, we, we all love going to these movies and, and watching all these, whether it's sports or businessmen do incredible things. It's like, They had to think about that first. They had to think about it first. And I remember, I mean, I talked tell the story in the books. I'll I'll do your other friend volleyball player, the national championship thing. But we were not the most talented team. It was my freshman year. We had just I had just gotten to school. And this this volleyball coach, he was a young coach. He was 23 and a half, I think. I think he turned 24 during the season or whatever. He had just he played at the school and we didn't have a coach. So he just kind of took it over and he just started calling us national champions. It was like, and we, again, we didn't have the people that jumped the highest. We didn't have the biggest people in our kind of group, right? Our national grouping of schools and stuff. But, um, and we had a horrible beginning to the season. We lost 60% of our games, Dan. That's not national championship caliber. I mean, really, you know, 10, 11 games in, we're sitting with horrible records about going into conference play. And I mean, barely got, got enough wins for conference to make it to regionals. But it, by the end of it, and but he just the message was always the same it was always the same you know coach Schrader was just like you guys are national champions that's who we are that's what we are that's what we stand for right and who knows where or why or whatever else and he's like play like champion like play like champion right you see it all the time these cool signs and everything else so i learned it early and sure enough we ended up beating everybody in the end of the season we didn't even lose a match like you got to win three out of like we we were on fire and we didn't know where it came from it came from right here and I, I, going back even to high school, right, there was a there was something called the Texas Athlete of the Year. They gave it to one male and one female in every division, which was only about 10 of us that got it. And I wanted that award. It took all four years of your sports into account. And in how many oh, wow. states and all regions, all four years. That's what it was. It was the Texas Athlete of the Year. And I remember seeing Santiago Camacho get, get he won one with another guy. They gave it to him equally. It was like a co-award that year. And I was 13 years old going, I want that. I want that. Like I was in eighth grade. I'm going to do that. I want that. It starts right there and then you go get it. But I hear so many people say, I want that, or I want to do that. And then the next statement out of their mouths are, I'm not going to, I can't do that. Like, that's really cool. Cool for them. Not good for me. And it's like, I, I, I get angry inside. Because they're talking to my friend like that. I'm like, you don't need to talk to my friend like that when they're talking to themselves. I say that a lot. I'm like, careful with yourself talking, what you're believing is going to happen. I mean, it's just, and, and I know we hear these messages all the time and how important it is, but how much are you being just being comfortable and weak whenever something comes about that you actually want by just going, Oh, that's not for me or in your mind, you're letting the devil take that thought from you and go and just beat you down with it. So, Envisions everything, man, and so many times it just starts with "Yeah, let, let's go do it," and not cut us cr- cut criticizing yourself right whenever those thoughts come. And I, for the rest of my life, I, I believe we can do anything that we want to set out and do. And I'm going to, and I want to be that example for people too.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I told this story on this podcast before, but uh, there's a baseball player. He still plays today. His name's Tommy Pham. Tommy was a rookie with the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course and- he was. He happened to be in an event that we were at, and a number of number of us got to talk to him. And on his way out, he's like, "Hey, good talking to you." You know, um, I said, "Well, keep keep playing hard, and you know, St. Louis fans are going to love you." And he says, "I'll try." And we're shaking hands, and I I clenched his hand kind of tight and didn't let him leave. And he looks at me, and he's much bigger than me. He's a really really strong guy. He looks down at me, and his eyes get really big. Like, why is this guy clenching my hand? And I said, Tommy. I'm going to do you a favor right now. You're about to leave this party and you're about to say, I'll try to everybody as you leave. You're not going to get out of here tonight within the next five minutes. Like everybody's going to hold you up and everybody's going to correct your speech. Don't try. That's something you can control is your effort, energy, enthusiasm. I might play your heart out. I know the results haven't been there for you for your first six, eight games, but play your heart out. St. Louis fans are going to love you. And he stops. He leaves the party. Comes back out of the darkness. Comes back to the party. He's like, "Hey, I really want to thank you for talking to me. I really want to thank you for what you told me. Like, that's going to make a difference." He went on to hit like eight hundred. Hit like five home runs out of the next eight games. Hit triples, doubles, just tore it up. But it was that you know twist in his mind of, "I'm having a rough time. I'm having a slump," and instead he just dove into it. Say, "Hey, these fans are going to love me as long as I try."
1: Yeah, come on. Ugh. Well done, Dan. I wish you could tell the Cardinals that this year they need. Yeah. You. Oh my gosh! Absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely, it's been tough. The
1: baseball team I love. I did when I was living there in St. Charles. I fell in love with them, man. I went to like three or four games during the summer. It was. I, if, I didn't have a baseball team growing up. We just didn't in San Antonio. We had Spurs. That was about it.
0: We had basketball. Yeah, yeah, I had the Spurs. Um, and it, yeah.
1: And they won. And Spurs and St. Louis, they're similar. And just you know, you guys had more of a legacy than we did for a lot longer, but. Um. Yeah. So if that, I, I would love it if you turn the problems around this year. They need that message. Then go give it to them. <laughs>
0: All of them. Have, and your your might be a little bit different with you being married to Emmy and her being a coach and everything. But have you got any uh, tips as far as husbands and wives designing a vision for their family?
1: Yeah, I would say bringing others into it. Man, um, we have we do marriage coaching not because we were diagnosed or because. Um, you know, somebody said you need to, or things are going to fall apart if you don't, because we wanted to stay ahead of some of the stuff. And it is so important. We also to get parenting coaching, man. I mean, and it's, it's been awesome. I'm a little ashamed to admit, right. Being this guy that's supposed to have it all figured out, but I don't, I mean, you know, I got five coaches. I told you before yeah. we get, I really do five different people that I'm paying to help me out. And that's I really, I mean, I'm broken and I need help. And in our marriage, like Emmy and I, we go, we go see a guy named Chris Brasher. You know, we go once a month. Sometimes we'll go twice a month if she needs it. I'm just kidding. That's my joke, guys. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I'm just kidding. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) No, but sometimes we do. Sometimes we'll pick it up whenever one of us needs something or other um and it's it's awesome so just get help um we we do love talking to people that have been married for a lot longer than us and asking them um what are some daily habits right if people walk up to people in are married for so long go what's your secret it's not a that's not a question to me it's just not a, not effective ask them what they do daily what are your what do you do daily in your home that that allows you guys to stay connected And connection is a really big word in our, in our, and I talk about this in the book. I am such an efficient person. I need to value connection over efficiency. And that's what I need. My reminders over and over and over again, connection over efficiency, because I'll get moving and cadence will whatever, she'll stub her toe or start crying. And it's like, I'll be like, no, babe, we got to go. It's like, and he's like, no connection first. And then efficiency, give her a hug, hold her. And then we can get going. So I just need that so much. And I I need the reminders. I need the coaching, the marriage coaching. So that's what we do, man.
0: That's fantastic. And I love focusing on other people. In your book, it says heart of service and it helps overcome fear. So if you're thinking about how to help somebody else get something, do something, become something, the fear just isn't there. So for salespeople, think about that. For people, a dad running a family, being a husband, think about that. When you think about others, it makes all the pressure and everything roll off because all you're doing is looking out for somebody else. So
1: hard to be nervous when you're focused on service. We say that all the time inside of our company walls. It's hard to be nervous
0: when you're focused on service. And if you think you feel nervous, maybe the word actually is excited. <laughs> yeah, Excited yeah. is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and let's go do big things like when we start off the podcast, Dave's like, let's go. And I was like, let's go. I'm excited. I want to go. I wasn't nervous. Could I apply that word to it? Sure. But in reality, it was actually excited, which physically feel the same. You've got a quote in the book. It's actually from Philippians. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. So- as you go through life today, as you go through the day today, think about that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So thank you for writing this book, sharing it with the world, Servant Selling. It's applicable for sales, but also for family. Ways to connect with you that you want to share with anybody?
1: Well, Yeah, man. I'm mean, going to go pick up the book, y'all. Even if you're not in sales, if you're just trying to be successful. And, and I, 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 the word successful, if you're trying to be healthy. In all things just being healthy servant selling will help you with that and it's just www.servantselling.com it's got the amazon link there barnes and noble it's got if you want to buy a bunch of them for your team it's got a bulk book links but go to servantselling.com, and that's the way to do it and then love to connect with you on linkedin it's pretty easy to find me on linkedin dave brown i mean southwestern consulting is the name of our great business and um, yeah, if you got teams, I mean, we do a complimentary workshops for groups all over the country. So if you want some of these servant selling principles integrated into your leadership group or whatever else, just reach out to me and we can get something going. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And like you said, Dan, you've probably watched a couple of videos on LinkedIn that reminded you of something, oh, yeah. try to put as much out there as I can just to serve and give value for free. You know, that's, that's, that's what our company's all about. So yeah, connect with me, please. would love to meet you all.
0: Can you throw out a quick challenge for the guys to do week to week in between the podcasts as they listen?
1: Oh man, um, please just watch your words. Be careful with your self-talk. That I need that reminder all the time. Write affirmations out, put them somewhere. These are when I'm peeing, guys, my affirmations are in the bathroom on the wall. Cause we got 30 seconds and we're peeing. Why not read through them while we're taking while we're going to the bathroom? every single bathroom in my home has these on the wall when I'm standing up peeing. So why not? Like put, them, put up, if you want to be a better dad, put two phrases that would program your mind to be a better dad in the bathroom somewhere where you can see it. Cause you're going to take, you're going to do five or six. And I, in my office too, I actually have it in the bathroom I use in our four story building at Southwestern. I put my affirmations up there and p- do people see them? Yeah. Has anybody asked me to take them down? No. Are other people reading my affirmations? Yes. And it's probably helping them too. I hope I've never gotten any comments on it in three or four years since I started doing it. So that's what I would say, Challenge, put them up somewhere so you can program your head.
0: Well, like, that's fantastic guys going affirmations, call them power statements. If you don't want to call them affirmations, sure. yeah. when you see Notre Dame go on the field, when they're going through the tunnel, what do they do? They all hit their hand on an affirmation, play like a champion today. So that's my charge to you guys. Take the challenge, play like a champion today, go all out in everything you do, bring energy and enthusiasm, hit Dave Brown up on LinkedIn and buy his book, Servant Selling. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks
1: for having me. This was awesome. Love you guys
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the journey of a christian dad podcast thank you guys for being a light shine that light out and let others see it with you guys part of this community it helps me be accountable to you guys helps me be accountable to myself